It's in you. You possess the power. Take the risk or lose the chance. Yasmin Buenaceda. I need some motivation. motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Trying myself when I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. I'm Jeremiah Solvin, and I'm your host. Hey, if this is your first time listening, this is a podcast that that we've, we've put together and designed to help you succeed and win. We're gonna to touch on a variety of different topics. Some, some are gonna be about leadership, some are gonna be about high performance, some are gonna be about mindset, goal setting and achievement, but it's, it's all designed so that we give you the tools that you need to succeed. Because uh, as we know, there's a lot of ups and downs on the path to achievement and the route can be very, very difficult and we wanna get you and your team to victory. Whether that's now with that team, it's it, that could be your just your family. It could be your coworkers. You could be a seven, eight figure entrepreneur. But we all have a team. We're all trying to drive them to success. And so this is a, a podcast that's designed to help get you there and them in one piece and uh, have a hell of a time doing it. So I have an awesome guest today. I want to I want to say thanks for all you guys that have jumped on and continue to listen and continue to share the the, the podcast. It means a lot and. Um, I wanted to bring on somebody, you know, special to me, somebody that I had some history with, somebody that I knew personally. And I'm really, really excited because it's somebody that I could I can relate to because they have a similar story in in failing forward, okay, failing their way to the top. And, you know, I, I didn't I never really related to the person that had things super easy, their path to success that, where it was just spoon fed to them. That never really resonated with me. Um and so I'm always in search for other people that have, have put in the hard work, have rolled up their sleeves, and through it all, through all adversity, continue to push and get what they set out to. And so today's guest is a, is a very special one. She's ex, an extremely hard worker, you know, a working professional who's managed multiple projects at once. I see her really as an entrepreneur in her core, even though she's kind of getting into that. Um, it's kind of a new development for her but she has all the, the similar characteristics that you find in, in the highly successful entrepreneurs that are out there. She's a mother and she's a very accomplished military officer. Okay. She's special operations command qualified. She served in uh, civil affairs and she succeeded in a very, very difficult assignment when, when others failed. Um, and she, yeah, she didn't, she continued to press forward and she succeeded. So I'm excited to share her story and some lessons learned about just grinding it out, pushing through failure, and ending up on top. So ladies and gentlemen, Yasmin Buenaceda. Yasmin, how's it going? Good, how are you? Thanks for, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I am really excited for today. Me too. <laughs> I'm really excited because, you know, you're one of those people that you're very humble and I think that you're very forward looking. And, um, this is a chance not only for us to, to connect because guys, we, we actually knew each other in ROTC and, um, so it's a good chance for us to get caught up, but I know you're so forward thinking that you, your success is really a result. I think of subconscious behaviors, things that you don't really, aren't even really aware <laughs> that you're doing. We started talking recently and I was like, you know, Hey, let's talk about some stuff that you've accomplished and you started sharing it with me and, and you're telling me the story and telling me the story and telling me the story. And I had to look at you in the face. And I was like, you realize that's not normal 
for people to do that, right? Like I'm, I'm really excited to dive in today. I really am. I hope you are too. Yeah, no, I am. And it's normal for me, you know? So I just live in my own world where that's normal. For somebody but. that's on the outside um, and looking in and maybe, you know, if you're explaining it to a 10-year-old, could you kind of sh- kind of shape your your background, your military history so so they have a full understanding of some of your achievements and what you've done? Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll start with ROTC college, right? So I went to Cal Poly Pomona for college, pursued a computer science degree. While I was in college, I simultaneously did senior ROTC, which is the one where you actually sign a contract and say, hey, I plan to join the military as an officer after I graduate. So I did that program for four years. Um, after leaving ROTC, I or graduating college, I commissioned as a second lieutenant. Um, and from there, I basically started my career as an officer in the Army. I um, got the pleasure of staying at my school for a little bit as a recruiter. And that's something that they give people in between time. Um, if you have a long time before going on to your follow-on school for your training. And after that, I moved on to my job as an S1, well, not an S1, as an adjutant general, but in civilian terms, it's kind of like the army's version of human resources. Yeah. We're going to have a fun time trying to stay away from acronyms on yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. I'll be both of us guys. If, you, if we say something, some acronym, uh, we're going to do our best not to use them, but, but just, I guess, just get on Google if it confuses you, but we'll work our way not yeah. to. And it's funny because we do more than S1, but that's just what yeah. it automatically um, connects to. But yeah, so my branching commissioning was adjutant general human resources. I did that for about three years, um, three and a half years. And then I moved on to civil affairs, which is as you mentioned earlier, a branch of special operations in the army. And, and what do you do now? Can you kind of share, share a little bit about what you're doing now? Yeah. So now I am a project manager for VMware. It's a tech company um, out of Palo Alto in California, mm-hmm. but I work remotely here in Georgia. Awesome. And um, what, are the, what do you guys specialize in? What do you guys focus on? So the focus is uh, virtualization and it's basically taking... We have a, a ton of products now, so our our breadth is very wide, but mm-hmm. what VMware started as and what they're known for is virtualization, and that is taking compute, storage, and memory or networking, so pieces of a, of a data center, and consolidating it down by virtualizing the machines onto other machines. Hmm. Gets yeah, a lot so, more complex, but... is <laughs> so nerd stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we did talk about, you know, hey, you were in, you know, civil affairs, you got into special operations command. And what about military schools that you went to? What are some of the schools that you hit while you were in the military? Oh, okay. So let me see. Started with my my basic officer course where I learned the adjutant general stuff. I did airborne, jumpmaster, seer. Um, I had to go through selection to get into civil affairs. Once selected, I had to go through the qualification course, combatives, level one and two, language for Tagalog and a couple other ones I can't remember at the moment, but those are the main ones. Yeah, you guys, if you guys aren't picking up everything that she's saying, some some of the highlights there, she's been to language school for the military and that Tagalog is a type of, it's Filipino, right? It's, Tagalog, I'm, probably, yeah. I'm probably brutal. I'm probably <laughs> destroying the way you pronounce it. Yeah, Tagalog is a Filipino language, correct? Okay. And then jump master, you said, mm-hmm. you also said SEER, which for somebody that doesn't know SEER, uh, survival, what does it stand for exactly? It's a survival school, but what is it? Survive, evade, resist, escape. Yeah. 
And that is a really difficult school. I know guys that I served with in regiment that went and they, they came back and they had like, like some really the toughest people I ever met in my life. They come back and they just have this thousand yard stare uh, because they're like traumatized from it. And I know it was, it's a very difficult school out of all the schools you've been to, which one was the most difficult in your opinion? I mean, the most difficult for me would be the qualification course, just because it took me so many times to pass it. Probably not like the hardest in the components that it was made up as yeah. made up of, but it was difficult for me for having to do it a couple of times. Yeah. And I want to, we're going to get into that in detail. So uh, do you, do you have any idea how many people, like what the attrition rate or, or success rate is for somebody that commissions, I'm trying to shape the, the contrast for somebody that comes into the military. You, I mean, you graduated with how many, do you know how many officers you graduated with? Our, I mean, our class was 2012 and there was probably, I don't know, a couple thousand, right. For each branch. Oh yeah. Like every year it's a couple of thousand. Yeah. Well, in 2012, when we commissioned, it was like two or 3000 that went active duty. Yeah. And then how many of those do you think go on to go to civil affairs selection? And then how many of those do you think make it? So I have the exact number of selection, at least from my course. And that was 35 out of 79. Um, the amount that actually go into special operations, I think is like 1%. Yeah. So guys, this is like 1% of the 1% of the 1%. We're talking about out of a few thousand military officers that graduated uh, with in, in her branch, uh, a very select few are going to go down the civil affairs pipeline. And then even fewer of those are going to go on and serve in, in SOCOM. And uh, Yasmin was one of those. So a uh, hell of a ride, quite the accomplishment. And I'm, ex I'm really excited to dive into that. So um, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to focus on today. That's, I want to talk a little bit about a few things. I want to talk a little bit about your personal story, the ups and the downs and, and the success that you've had in the military, and then a little bit about family leadership. I think if we cover those, those topics today, somebody that's listening is going to be able to walk away with some good actionable steps to help them succeed really holistically. You know, what I want to, what I want to start off with is just a little bit about your upbringing. So where can you kind of just shape, you know, the first you know, where you're from and um, what life was like prior to prior to getting into college. Yeah. So I'm originally from California, um, lived there most of my life before the military. I did have a stint in Vegas for three years when I moved there with my grandma and my dad. Um, I come from divorced, uh, excuse me, divorced parents. I have one full sister, one half sister. Um, I think my parents divorced when I was like four, five, something like that. Um, and from there, I, me and my sister, we lived with our dad and grew up with my dad's side of the family. I did have a very large, um, my dad has 12 brothers and sisters. So we had a lot of cousins. We would all get like thrown into grandpa's house and whoever <laughs> was around not working was like the babysitter. Yeah. But because of the range in age, we also had, I think my youngest aunt is actually younger than me, mm. but my oldest is like my dad's age. So we had some in the middle that were the kids like maybe 16, yeah, 15, and they would be our babysitters most of the time. Um, so I grew up with a really strong family connection with my cousins. Um, but when we were like just me and my sister with my dad and my grandma not there for summers or whatever, it was kind of just me, my uh, dad, grandma were always really busy working. So I grew up a little fast, took care of me and my sister. Yeah. Yeah. So big family, hardworking family is what it sounds like. And, um, then where, where, at what point did you decide that you were going to, you were going to serve in the military? 
I decided that I was going to serve in the military when I was in college. So that's a funny story. I was in high school. Like I was always on the path to, uh, to college. That's like a family thing. We were all going to college. My mom used to tell me, you're going to college. I don't know how you're going to pay for it, but you are going to college. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm not paying for it, but you'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, and when I was a junior, senior in high school, she had suggested, she's like, Hey, there's this program. It's like army ROTC. You get free college and then you go and join the military. I was like, mom, I am not joining the army. Are you crazy? <laughs> like, I'm not going to go out there and get shot. I'm not joining the army. I can't believe you want your daughter to join the military. <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward, like two years, I'm in college. Um, sophomore freshman I don't remember if I was a freshman or sophomore when I joined yeah. ROTC but I was living in the dorms just a normal college kid gaining my freshman 15 looking for sports or something something yeah. more because I was always wanting to be involved in things and there were a couple of people in my dorm who were always talking about ROTC and how they wanted to join it was someone who did computer science with me and I was pretty good friends with and it started piquing my interest and so I was like, you know what? I want to check this out. I want to see what this is. And I did a class and history was right from there. I did another class and then I signed a contract. So what was it? I think this is important because a lot of people are kind of, you know, there's a lot of different people that listen to the podcast. And sometimes there are people that are in, in school. Um, it could be somebody that's in maybe a senior in high school. Uh, it could be a, somebody that's in college. It could be somebody that's, you know, running their own company. But everybody is constantly kind of choosing what direction to go in life. And when you, when you look back on your decision to sign up and get into the military, do you, um, how did, how did you make that decision? Cause I feel like it served you well. You're very, you know, it, it built you into the woman that you are today. And, um, and I don't think, I think a lot of people look at things in their life and they talk themselves out of it, right? They, maybe they look at the military. You see this quite a bit and they're like, that looks awesome but I'm going to go ahead and go this way. And they talked themselves out of their dream, but you said yes when others would say no. So just looking at that moment, what, what pulled you into the military? Do you think was it a logical decision or more emotional? It was a combination. So I think what got me to sign up in the first place was hearing about it socially, but I had an out. I didn't have to sign a contract right away. I got to try it and see if I liked it. And I was looking for something more. I was looking for camaraderie. I was looking for physical activity. I played basketball in high school and track and I like to be a part of a team. Mm -hmm. um, and so I got to try this ROTC thing. It challenged me. I met great high performing people who had similar mindsets, similar mindset to what I had. And I just kind of fell in love with it. So once I joined and I realized like, these are the people that I can work with in the future. And it started filling my buckets for that need of team and camaraderie and challenging me because when I when I first started ROTC I took like a diagnostic APFT which is a physical fitness test I could run because I played basketball so I did like a 15 minute two mile and then I did one push-up and zero sit-ups so then that started challenging me like I knew I could do more than that so I was like I'm gonna do it just to pass mm -hmm. so that kind of challenged my physical side um, and it filled all my buckets and I just kind of kept going. And then, so I guess that's the emotional side, right? The emotional side is that it filled my buckets. I really enjoyed the people I was with and the leadership. I still kind of had an out because if I wanted to go into the reserves after I could. Yeah. Um, and the logical side was I got a scholarship that paid for my college. Yeah. It made sense, but really what it did for you is you, you chose a path of growth. 
you were mm-hmm. looking for growth. You were kind of in this spot in school, looking, kind of feeling maybe out of place or just missing something. Like you said, you said you, you keep right. referring to these buckets that you have. And, um, but you decided to get on the offensive with it, not just the defensive and find something that, that helped you out for, for somebody that maybe isn't going to join the military, but that is searching for the same feeling. Okay. Somebody that, cause we're just coming, we're coming out of the pandemic. I think a lot of people are feeling the same type of way. People are feeling like they want camaraderie. They're feeling like they want team. They want to be pushed. They want to grow. And they're kind of figuring out how to go about doing that. If you could speak to that person, what do you, what are some, what's something simple that they can start doing to fill, fill their buckets with community team and, um, and some of the things that you were seeking when you joined the, when you joined the military? I think the first thing would be to like identify what it is that makes them feel unfulfilled. Hmm. So I knew that I wanted the athletic. I knew that I wanted that team. Um, and from there, once you know what it is you're kind of looking for, even if it's not exact, you just have to start looking for things. For me, it was word of mouth. Um, we did, we had internet, but it wasn't, I wasn't on Google looking up every single thing from my cell phone back then. It was just word of mouth. Someone talked about it. It sounded like something good and I went for it. Now, when I identify something in my life where I'm, I want to make a change or I just want to see what's out there for me to try, mm-hmm. I jump on Google, I start searching things locally, type in my zip code and you just got to try it. You have to try it and test it to see whether or not it's going to stick. Yeah. I really like the formula there, which is one, identify what you're missing. Like if you're feeling some type of way, what is that feeling teaching you? Right. Right. What is that teaching me about myself? Well, it means I need X, Y, and Z. Okay. Now I have the problem and I can put us, I can, I can solve it with a solution and I can do that with testing things. And I think that, yeah, a lot of people um, are afraid to, to go out and do things because of the commitment that comes with them. They're like, Oh, if I go on, somebody got to be, I'm going to be stuck mm-hmm. there for life. You know, you see that with guys in jujitsu and MMA and it's like, you know, there's nothing wrong with going out and experimenting and figuring out what sticks on you and what doesn't. Right. So really good um, lessons there. Now the college life was fast and furious for you, right? I, the degree that you, that you were chasing was not an easy degree. Um, t- talk a little bit about that. Like what, what was your major again? And what was that path like? Yeah, I swear I'm a masochist. I just make everything hard for me on purpose. Um, <laughs> everyone around me. So for those who don't know, when you're going through ROTC, when it comes time to commission and get your branch, a lot of it depends on your GPA. So logically, a lot of people who did ROTC, not just with me, but in general, went for a poli-sci degree, a history degree, something that was a little less technical and a little easier to do well in to get that higher GPA and get the branch that they want. I was determined to get this computer science degree. Um, so it took me five years when it's supposed to take four. I did physics multiple times. And I actually at one point switched majors um, to computer information systems, which goes from the school of science to the school of business and takes away some of the more um, difficult science and math classes. But after doing a couple of classes in computer information systems, I decided it wasn't for me and went back to computer science. Yeah. So school was difficult. It was even more difficult. Once I hit my third year of ROTC, where it really gets intensive. Um, what was, the, having what was to- the hardest part? What was the hardest part with all of that, that you're going, you're, you know, you're talking about, you sh- shifted degrees a couple of times. We're, mm-hmm. mit, we're, we're redoing classes several times and we're having this vision of getting this degree that we, we pictured ourselves getting through all that. What was the t- most difficult part for you? The most difficult part was probably my junior and senior year when I had a lot of classes stacked and I really had no choice. Well, in my head, it was no choice. Like don't sleep, 
finish school, get your degree, you have to commission, you signed a contract. So it was really like, I had no out. I couldn't just push my classes aside or make it easier. I was stacking to almost double a full-time load in order mm -hmm. to get myself graduated on time. So it was just a ton of pressure. Mm -hmm. And what were the thoughts going on inside your head at that time? Um, I had to identify where in my life I could pull back a little bit and what priorities were. Um, everything was a, had its own level of priority. I needed to commission. I needed to graduate. I needed to continue working so I could pay my bills. All of those. All, and then I guess I didn't need a social life, but I wanted a social life. So I still kind of had one. Yeah. So it's prioritizing those things, each thing took its own priority at a different time. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of, you kind of like, like if I think about when people are doing physical training, mm -hmm. they, they periodize their training. Hey, I'm going to ramp it up and then I'm going to pull back and I'm going to focus on, maybe I'm going to run every morning for cardio for the next 12 weeks. And then after that, I'm going to switch over to weightlifting. Anyways, they kind of have these cycles where they train. And it, it sounds like you did that essentially with your schedule. And one of the most difficult parts for you at this time was just managing it all and figuring out how to succeed while juggling all these different projects. Now you said something really interesting though. You said I needed to graduate. I needed, and I needed, I needed. And it was, there was no suggestion that there was ever like I could quit and there, or like, Hey, I'm just going to go ahead and say, screw this. I'm not going to follow through on my contract. I'm not going to get a way out. I'm just going to keep moving forward. And, um, I don't think that that's how most people think. I think that most people, if they get into a pinch, they always, they feel like they can always abandon the plan, but that wasn't the case for you. Is it, was that more of a mindset or was that like, literally it was just fact that I just couldn't do, I couldn't abandon anything that I committed to. I guess it's nothing is fact, right? Cause I could have quit. Yeah. Um, but in my mind, it was a fact and it must've been a mindset. It, it was a combination of what I was raised to do, which was graduate college, what I committed to, which was commissioning and the repercussions. If I didn't finish, wasn't worth it. What were you thinking about during that period? What was the image in your mind? Um, like, were you, like, were you thinking heavily about, um, graduating? Were you seeing success or were you seeing failure? What were you, what were you kind of seeing inside of your head while you're growing or you're grinding college out? Yeah, I was absolutely thinking about graduating and commissioning. Okay. Um, and even at that time, I didn't even I hadn't decided if I was going active duty. I had my internship could have turned into a full-time job. It was with Southern California Edison, which is a great company. Um, but it, walking, right. I was going to walk. I was going to graduate and then finishing ROTC. Like if I didn't, that was a lot of money I was going to pay back. So that was more of a logical thing. Yeah. Plus I wanted to, I wanted to commission. So for somebody that may be in a similar position going through what you went through, they had a, they had a dream, they had, you know, this, this belief that they should go to school or whatever it is. It could be, we could be, we're talking about school right now, but it could be some trade that their family believes that they should go and do. And they, and they believe in it too. They have, they, they're, they're, they're chasing the dream for them as well. Um, and they're kind of going through the ups and the downs and they have, they're taking double the amount of course load that they're supposed to be. What, what's your advice to that person or that girl that's going through um, in that, that situation that you were in. So they have to go back to their own mindset. Is it something they need to do? Is it something that they're doing because they want to, and that's where they see their future or are they only doing it because someone else told them that they need to mm. with me, there was never an out because that was, it was a path I put myself on and it was the future that I wanted. I didn't ever yeah, see another future. I didn't ever 
think like, oh, well, I don't need to do this. I'll just go whatever, start my own business because I don't want to do college, right? Yeah. I wanted to do college. I wanted to join ROTC. I could start my own business later, but I never had those out thoughts. Besides maybe this isn't the degree I want. And I acknowledge that, tested another degree out and realized, no, this is the degree I want and went back on my other original path. Yeah, so you say true to what you what you wanted. Right. Is that right? Exactly, yes. Do you think that is a, a huge difference between people that end up finishing uh, something that they set out to and those that don't? How important do you think that is? I think it's extremely important. If you are, if you don't have the, the dedication and the, the commitment to what it is you're going towards, if it gets hard, you're going to stop. Why would you keep going if you're not committed to it? What do you say to somebody that's out, like maybe pursuing a path that is not what they want to do? What do you, what do you tell that person? Um, and maybe they have a, they're, 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 they're basically pursuing a path according to everybody else's expectations. What do you tell that person? To sit back and think why once they figure out why then they need to realize that it's okay whoever they think they're going to disappoint they're not like it's their lives Mm. so they need to figure out what it is that's going to make them happy and a lot of it's going to be a fear right if you you're set on a path for however long and you've been pursuing say I pursued college for three years and I hated it and I wanted nothing to do with college and I wanted to be an entrepreneur I could have people who are talking down at me. I could have, you know, my own disappointment in myself because I was supposed to graduate college. But if that's not what I really want, I'm, I'll never be happy. I'm pursuing something that I don't even care about. Mm. So I would say, figure out what it is that you want and go for it without the fear of whatever repercussions or what may or may not happen. You don't yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah, don't don't allow, what I'm picking up is don't allow fear to stop you. Like, right. like figure out, go internal, figure out what you want. And if it's not what other people want for you, you're saying it's, it's, it's not a big deal. You're not, you're going to just because you hurt some people's feelings doesn't mean you're going to destroy relationships. Just go, just go for what you want here. Right. Exactly. That's really good advice. And I think that everybody needs to hear that. Okay. So we, we go through the roller coaster that is school managing we're you know we're we're probably addicted to caffeine at this point just because we we don't know oh no go ahead i didn't start coffee until i started my internship and that's because i was maintaining my 3 a.m partying life and then i had to be at work at like seven so i started (laughs) drinking coffee then um but i guess there was a lot of energy drinks so we'll go with that all right well so the roller coaster that was school we we end up grinding that out we we mess up some some classes we kind of I see you kind of like land nav, like doing land nav, land navigation, mm-hmm. where you got these points that are out there and you're trying to figure out what your way to one point to the next. And you go to this one point, um, you're, go- you're on your way to one point and you're like, you know what, let me just go see if this road will take me there. You go over to the road and you're like, nope, nope, that road won't take me there. Let me go back. Right. And then <laughs> yeah. I, go, I go to my point. I finally get to, I finally get to my next milestone and um, it's towards the end of college, right? It's uh, you go on to LDAC, you do that, you come back. LDAC is the leadership development assessment course. I know guys, my bad. You finish up with that and then you get your, you get your commission, right? Mm-hmm. What happens? Um, what happens from there forward with your military career? So I stay back as a gold bar recruiter for a couple of months, just hang out. Um, then I move on to Bullock, which is basic officers leaders course. And it's where all brand new officers go to learn their specific branch. So yeah. in my case, it was adjutant general. It's a 12-week course. I was there learning, studying, PTing, and just integrating myself into the military career. What were your what were your initial sorry to just jump in? What were your initial feelings about 
that leg of um, your military career because you just went through this giant grind. And now all of a sudden you, you, you do the gold bar recruiting, which is I'm going to stay at the college and I'm going to do some recruiting. And then I'm going to go to my basic officer leader course. I go there. So you kind of have this like hurry up and wait thing going on. And you're inside of the officer leader course. What was going on in your head at that period of time? I always just had a blast. I was very excited to be commissioned. And again, I, I chose like towards the end of my senior year to go active duty because I realized I loved being in the military. Yeah. I loved the people and I was ready to start my career. I had a little anxiety because I uh, my original duty station was supposed to be Korea and I did not want to go. But hey, it was where I was supposed to go. Ended up getting that changed. But I got to my Bullock and it was like, you know, my first day of high school. I was yeah. excited. I was giddy. I got to meet all these new super seniors, brand new lieutenants. I just graduated college, made all these new friends. And it was a classroom setting. I went to class, did well, you know, wanted to beat everyone at every test. And I did. <laughs> um, so I was just con continuing to pursue um, being the best that I can be. But it was, it was just fun. It was fun. And where does that come from? Where does that competitiveness come from in you? Because I think everybody has a little bit of that inside of them. Um, but I, you know, yours, I think that your competitiveness is what drove your success in the military, to be completely honest, your, your competitiveness with yourself. And I think that if I were to pull out a superpower out of you, I think that you have incredible will. Like a lot of people out there don't have a strong will. They have a weak will. Maybe they have a, a big imagination. They can see themselves accomplishing something, but when things get tough, they turn, they tuck their tail and they go the other way. And, and I, I see yours as the opposite. I think you have this giant you know, fuel source inside of you that is this will. And I want more people to have that competitive nature because I can, I've seen what it can do for people. So for you, you know, being as competitive as, as you are, where do you think that that comes from? I think it comes from my childhood. Um, so big family, lots of cousins. I was always the outcast of everyone. So I had spent a lot of time when I was younger, just being, um, I don't, I'm trying to find the word being like the black sheep, being the one that yeah. everyone, you know, put in the corner. Yeah. The about. The, so the I always had to prove litter. myself. I had to jump myself out of the corner and be like, but I can do this. Yeah. But look at me. Somebody look at me. Yeah. Um, and I continually just tried to be that valuable person that could figure things out for other people because it would get me that acknowledgement. Oh, what has that done for your, that competitiveness that's inside of you? What has that done for your self-image and your confidence? Oh, my confidence has greatly increased. Um, I definitely was not confident when I was younger, high school, like through high school, even, yeah, even through high school, maybe the beginning of college, I was very like, was never the popular kid. I was always the odd man out. Um, I had like a small group of friends. I was never that confident. I wasn't a great speaker. And I think that ROTC actually did a lot to pull my leadership strength or leadership qualities out of me. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And I think that the competitive nature, everybody has this inside of them, but, but very few people feed the competitiveness inside of them. Mm -hmm. And for somebody like yourself who believes in proving their worth, I think that's completely healthy. Now, a lot, some people will argue it's not like, he'll say, Hey, don't chase achievements because you don't know who you are. And, and they kind of dog it a little bit. And I think that you need a little bit of both. You need to know that you aren't your achievement, but at the same time, I've seen what chasing things and achievement can do for somebody and somebody that you show me somebody that succeeds and somebody that has this, I'll prove you wrong mentality. And you show me them and somebody who doesn't have that. Well, the confidence in the person that wants to prove people wrong is a hundred X of the other person. Everybody wants to feel more confident. So I, I think that it's a, um, a really incredible thing for, for people to hone in on 
and to, to feed the competitive side inside of them. Like they say, they have two wolves on your shoulder, right? One's good. One's bad. And they're like, which one's going to win? Well, the one that you feed. And in this case, it's like feed the confident, aggressive, competitive wolf, and uh, then you'll grow into it. So mm-hmm. I think that's, it's just awesome hearing that coming from you. Um, now sh- shifting over to ba- basic officer leader course, we're very competitive. We want to prove people wrong. Um, and we're also doing it in a very healthy way, but then we keep going. Our, our military career moves forward. What was the next milestone for you? Next milestone was first duty station, Fort Lewis, Washington. Um, got thrown into a position way over my head. So spent lots of late nights in my dungeon office. What was that? Uh, I was in S1. So that was like the human resources manager for a uh, support battalion in a striker brigade. Okay. So to wrap that up, most S1s, now that we know what that means, um, run a shop that supports maybe three, 400 people. Mm-hmm. We supported 900 with the same amount of staff. Okay. So you were, and you were one of the, the senior like leaders essentially inside a staff for all 900 people. Yeah. So I was the senior human resources manager for all 900, but um, <laughs> the youngest and least seasoned S1 in the entire brigade. Guys, listen to that. Like we talk about growing into a position, right? We talk, I've said this before on the podcast that the military does a, a job, a good job of pressuring you and forging you into a leader. And they, some of it's by design. Some of it's just out of just, you know, necessity, necessity and kinks in the machine essentially. Yeah. But listen to what she said. She said that she got thrown in over her head. And if you're following her path, this is a continuous thing with Yasmin. She's, she was in over her head in college. And she rose to the occasion. She was over her head in the, in, in the military, as you're finding out now. And she's starting to rise to the occasion. Can you imagine? How old were you at this time when you, you know, you're taking on mm-hmm. 900 personnel that underneath your leadership? 22 or 23? <laughs> yeah, 20, 20, early 20s. Guys, what's everybody else doing out there in their early 20s? They're out there making a bunch of bad decisions. They're not like leading people. Okay. And um, the point here is that a lot of times we ask ourselves, hey, how do I become a stronger leader? Well, put your feet to the fire. Okay. You know, the military did that for Yasmin. They put her in a position for her to rise to the occasion. And then she fought her ass off to, to make it happen. Um, so yeah, share that. Keep going with the story. So you get in this position and, and you're in over your head. What was some of the responsibilities that you had and what was next? Yeah. And over my head. So we can say that my entire training of how to be an S1 was the 12 weeks of open book tests and training that I took um, when I was at Bullet. So now I'm here. My unit is redeploying. There was a senior officer who was in the position before who wasn't cutting it. So they moved him out of the position. Um, Putting myself in over my head, I came in and they were like, hey, we have this unit. They need somebody. You're here. We don't like the person in it. Do you think you can handle it? And of course, I'm like, yeah, give it to me. I got it. All the confidence. Um, Nothing (laughs) to back it up yet. But I jump in there and... You know, I figure it out. I have two senior NCOs, one who also ended up getting moved out for poor performance, one who tried her hardest. She was, she was great. And then we have four brand new privates out of basic who had about as much training as I did as far as running an S1 shop. And we just, we grinded. We had, you know, seven, eight o'clock nights, everyone there at 6 a.m. trying to reorganize, set in processes that didn't exist, redeploy a unit. And do all of the things that it's a joke, but it's true in the army that if it's no one else's responsibility at the staff level, it goes to the S1. 
Yeah. So I would just get random things thrown at me. And it was all just figuring it out, right? Because I don't know how to do any of this. And my people who are supposed to know how to do it aren't really there. So it was a lot of finding out who knew it in the unit, calling other people, yeah. reaching back to people I was in school with. Um, and how did just you figure it out? How'd you keep the morale up in your shop? Because this is important <sighs> because a lot of people. And I know that it probably had some times where it was great and it wasn't so great and some stuff like that. But what was your approach leading a team during this really difficult time of adversity? I tried my best. We definitely didn't have the best morale most of the time. Um, we did once everything got fixed and we started having better hours and things were a lot less stressed. Um, but I think the best way I kept the morale up was that I took I was top cover. I never let anyone come in and yell at my soldiers for things that you know went wrong we're responsible for pay actions and award actions and evaluations and everyone feels personally offended when their stuff doesn't go through and that's okay i get it but you don't come in and start attacking people that's not how you get people first of all that's not how you get anything done and second of all like i took it all right yeah. i never let anyone come in against them so i tried mm. to protect them from that type of um demoralizing yeah. yeah, no, that's a great, I mean, you called it top cover, which is yeah. taking the bludgeoning that comes with uh, being in a leadership position. And I think that I've, I've seen the opposite so many times. I've seen people, you know, leaders on staff and when they're called out on their, when their staff, their section is called out on, on whatever issue it was, I see them hide and they run away and they go the other direction and they don't speak up. And then their team below them absorbs the impact. And that discredits the leader tremendously because everybody sees it happening and that person's trying to be inv invisible, but there, we all know that they're there and it'd be what much better for them just to go ahead and toughen up and just take the impact. And um, I think that that does that, that speaks volumes about your character and it speaks volumes about your leadership. And it's a great lesson for everybody to adopt. And that's be the top cover for your team. Take the bludgeoning that goes along with the leadership position. Well said, I want to move along into some of the, the, the military, the special operations background, because I think that's what people are going to be very, very interested in. So could you, could you talk us through and fast forward your way? Like when did, when did getting into special operations kind of, when did that seed plant inside of your head? When did that happen? And then what was the path there forward? Yeah. Okay. So fast forward, like two years of dark dungeon time. And then I realized it was time for me to move. Army officers only stay in a position 18 to 24 months. And I was passed when I should have been moved. Um, so, you know, I let everyone know I was looking for a new job. I ended up getting orders to a unit, like a sustainment brigade, which is not where I wanted to be. I felt like I gave the army my blood, sweat and tears and I needed to go where I wanted to go. Yeah. So I started making phone calls um, to branch to figure out, you know, what interview type selective positions they had. And I um, found a position at Fort Bragg in training group, which is the unit that runs all of the special operations courses yeah. as an S1 still. And that was fine with me. I just didn't want to go to the sustainment. I wanted to go airborne. I wanted to do all the cool fun stuff. And I wanted to um, go to a new unit and be around that higher caliber of soldier. Yeah. Right. So there was another stop in me there is I had orders. They wanted my commander to sign paperwork. I had let myself get really out of shape in my own like little depression of dark dungeon time. Yeah. And so my brigade commander basically told me that he wasn't gonna let me go. He wasn't gonna sign the paperwork for me to go unless I could prove to him that I could do a pull up and run five miles in 45 minutes. Cause that's the standard yeah. for airborne school, the pull up is. And then the five miles, 45 minutes is kind of the army standard. 
Um, so I just trained my ass off for a month, got myself to airborne school, finished it, went to Fort Bragg. I'm in um, training group as an S1. I meet all of the people. I decide then that, hey, I want to do this. Like, I don't want to be a staff person anymore. I want to be on the ground. I want to be high speed and HUA, and I want to be on a team yeah. and I want to work with all of these like great, amazing people that I'm working with now. Well, yeah, you're forever. searching for growth again. You're searching for growth again. Yeah. Wasn't happy with where I was at. Um, could have continued S1 command time, but it was like right in front of me, right? So while I was in S1, I actually had the opportunity to go to SEER school. I jumped all the time. I did all of the, as many cool things and fun things as I could while I was still in S1. Made the decision that I wanted to be special operations, um, but it was past my timeline. So officers have a block of time where they're allowed to apply to go to a special operations course. And it's just because we're promoted on timeline. So yeah. everything on an officer's career is very timeline focused. I missed the submission packet for being able to go to selection, but figured out how to do an out of year group packet, which is like basically, hey, an exception to policy, let me go. Got it signed, got it approved, and now I'm at selection. Yeah, this is, guys, this is so, if you're not listening closely here, this is a story about figuring it the F out and aligning yourself with what you want, okay? I can't tell you how many times I saw people miss their window or things, uh, con the conditions were not ideal for them to get what they wanted and they opted out. They deselected themselves from the path ahead. I saw that becoming a ranger. I've seen it in entrepreneurship and people, people encounter these little roadblocks, okay? Whether it's a career timeline or whatever it is, maybe they are trying to buy a house and they, they get told no from the bank, the bank tells them that they, they don't, they're not going to give them a loan. And then they, they, they just put their tail between their legs and they go the other direction. If you're listening to what a high performer and somebody that succeeds at a high level has what they do is they just, they don't quit. Obviously that's the, re that's a recipe. It's part of this, that's part of this formula for success, but they know what they want. And then they convince themselves there's always a way there's a, we're going to fit foe, figure it the F out, figure it the fuck out. I'll just say it right now. There's always a way. There's always a way. So do not, I can't tell you how many times, like I said, I've seen that. And there's a lot of young officers out there. There's a lot of people in their careers right now that are hitting these, these roadblocks. I'm telling you guys there, if you have a, if you have the will, you've heard this before too. There's a way there is always a way. So Yasmin knows what she wants. She knows she's not afraid of hard work. She's not afraid of getting told no. She's not afraid of rejection. She's like, okay, yep, I got that. You're telling me no. I'm gonna look. For, I'm gonna go this direction instead. And um, we get. We want to. We want growth again. We know again. Know what we're looking for. So we we say, hey, we get our sights set on getting the special operations command and uh, civil affairs, and we head that direction. Go ahead and talk us through that. Okay, so got everything signed. Decided that I was gonna go to selection. Went to selection. Um, performed the best that I could. And I got selected 35 out of 79. Think of those 35, four or five were girls. It's a two, 10 day, 10 day yeah. course. So out of seven, sorry, say those numbers again, out of 75 that attended, there was probably three to five women. No, out of 79 that attended, 35 were selected. Yep. Out of the 35 that selected, I think it was four of those 35 were women. Wow. Okay. Keep going. All right. So I get selected. I come out of selection. Um, 
And that was one of the first times I got a first time go of something. <laughs> um, so I come back and now I'm like fired up. I'm ready to go. This is what I think you were talking about, like action takers the other day. You're like, all right, I'm ready to go. Let's go yeah. send me. Yeah. I, my mind was completely checked out. I didn't want to do my human resources anymore. I just, I wanted to get started. So I call branch. Um, hey, when's the next course? How can I start? The next course was in like two weeks. So I'm like, all right, cool. Talk to my boss. He's like, you, I, he was getting ready to change duty stations also. And me and him were like co-running the shop. I was his assistant. So he's like, I'm going to take command. Like you can't leave until there's a replacement. So what do I do? I use my S1 skills to figure out who on Fort Bragg is ready to move into a new job as an S1. And then I send them all emails like, hey, I have a position in the special or under special operations as an S1. Are you interested? So I get a couple replies back and find somebody whose command is willing to let them go, who's ready to move, who had yeah. orders somewhere else, but they signed it off and got them um, in like the next couple of days to come take my spot so I could train them. Ah, so good. So good. Guys, people often think that the grass is greener on the other side and that they are, they allow, they allow their decisions to be made from the external. You know, when people tell them, no, they can't do stuff. They, they accept those and then they get results that are congruent with that feedback. But few people lead their lives from the inside out. And that's what we did here. We said, hey, this is, this is what I want and let me move myself to it. And then I find solutions once again to accomplish right. it. So you got to use the resources available to you, right? That's, I think that's the biggest lesson from this little segment is that you have the resources right now. You just got to get more resourceful and it's looking around and figuring out what that it looks like in your exact situation because there is there is a way all right and i would add on to that real quick is you have to also always ask the why you have to understand the why if someone's saying no it's not just a no and if you know the why you can appease that and get your way that's so that's true that is so true i just spoke with a young man about that yesterday he got denied on his va home loan he's a young guy that i know um from my childhood he called me and he's like hey they're telling me no for the x y and z reason i said dude have them tell you all the reasons why that they're not going to give it to you. And then go, now you have the answers to the test. Mm -hmm. So now you put down the, the plan to say, to get them to say yes, because you have all the answers. Beautifully said, beautifully said there. Yes. All right. Um, so we passed selection and then what's next for us. What happens next? All right. So I found my replacement trained her up in about a week. She still has my email. I can still come help. And I am in my, um, triple C the start of the Q course, like the next week. So I start triple C, so one of the more difficult ones is basically for me as an S1 officer. Yeah, this is the captain's career course, guys. Yeah, sorry, captain's career course. Every time you promote in the military, I think enlisted or officer, once you hit NCO, you have to go to a school to- Yeah, advance, to grow, learn about yeah, the next to advance, job. advance, learn, and, yeah. yeah. So I'm now in my second one. The first one was basic officers. I moved from lieutenant, I'm about to be a captain, and now I'm in uh, captain's career course. So normally captain's career course is focused on the job that you're doing. So I ideally would have been back at the S1 AG captain's career course, but because I'm now selected, I'm starting the um, special operations captain's career course, which is a condensed version of the infantry captain's career course. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of guys who were in there, it was really easy for them. It's all stuff that they've known and done. For me, it was definitely a steep learning curve. Um, had to learn a lot about distances that missiles could be launched and <laughs> lots of things I didn't know, but everyone was super helpful. And it was a great course. It was again, like 
first day of high school, starting something new again that I really wanted to do. Yeah, you went from being an expert in human resources and and managing a team at the staff level to, and being great at it, and now you're in now you're learning combat arms at an advanced level, and you're like, okay, guys, I'm gonna figure this out, right? Again, in over my head, this is the pattern that Yaz has for for achievement, and this is the recipe, guys. You want to figure out a way to grow, get in over your head and fitfo. Uh, so we're in there, and what what happens next? Um, we do good. We go to class every day. We humble ourselves, me humble myself and ask for lots of help, learn everything I need to learn, get through everything. Um, and then I officially am almost ready to pin captain, right? So you make the list in the military and then a couple months ish later, whenever your number comes up, you are able to pin. Traditionally, there's some kind of promotion ceremony. I didn't really care that much about it, but my dad, I knew he'd be super proud and it's something he would want to see. So I waited like two or three months to pin till I could fly him out here. And I was going to do a little promotion ceremony um, with him here. Plus it was time for him to come see me and my sister anyways. And we were both over on the East coast. Yeah. So we're 10, 11 weeks in We're I'm in the last week, the week before the last week of the course, right before we're about to go into our culminating exercise, which is our final exam. It's like a practical final exam. And I fly him out here to do a, to do my promotion ceremony and he starts having all kinds of pain. Um, so I had to like pull myself out of class for a day. We took him to the hospital, he ended up in surgery um, and he had previous, uh, he had a previous medical history. He's had a couple of surgeries. Yeah. Um, he wasn't in the best of health, but he made it through the surgery fine. You know, he overnight, he was in recovery. I was going back and forth from class to the hospital because you know, I had a week left. I wasn't going to redo it. I had to finish the course. Um, and he ended up passing away overnight mm. before the promotion ceremony happened. Or I think I did. I think I, we like pinned my jacket, like in the hospital room, mm. but he ended up passing away. Um, which obviously had me pull out of the course because I had to go take care of my family. So it was a, I think I had a couple of weeks before the next course even started, pulled out, went on emergency leave, dealt, dealt with the funeral, dealt with family stuff, came back. Um, and then it was time to go back into Triple C again. Yeah. I, I know this is a tough subject. And yeah. we're going to, we, I promise not to get too deep because I know- Holding the tears back here, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I want to help out somebody that's going through, maybe they can come back and listen to this part mm -hmm. future about getting through a difficult time when they're focused on a goal that they have. Okay. And, and so this person family is extremely important to them. They have something that has happened inside of their family. They have a goal that they're working on. Um, what's a lesson that you learned during that process that you can share with them to help them get through that portion of their life? Um, so I guess the one thing that I could have changed live life with no regrets, but I could have changed is that I was very, driven and focused. So to me, he was fine. He was good. And instead of spending that time with him and letting, cause they offered, they're like, do you need to recycle? Like your dad's in surgery. You can recycle. You can just come into the next course. It's nothing against you. But I was like, no, I'm good. So I was just going back and forth. I didn't even spend the night in the hospital that night. Um, my sister was there. So I ended up waking up to a call with her, like telling me that, you know, they had, they read that he coded, she woke up and he was already passed away, but they were still trying to revive him. Um, and I probably like hindsight 
should have pulled myself out of the class and been there for my family instead of. No, I, well, I think that every that, everybody there's a lot of hood shoulda coulda woulda shoulda coulda woulda right. right. I everybody's gonna make the best judgment they can in the time that they're in, and right. you have an optimistic mindset is what you have. Yeah. And that, and that comes, um, you're a human being. And so we're not going to do life entirely perfect, but what did you do right during that period that you're proud that you did? you you went through this really difficult time between, um, father getting sick, passing away, and then getting back on track for the mission, the, the, the goal that you have in mind. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in that situation would shut down and they would just go back. They might even get out of the military. In that case, you did some things, right? You, 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 in my, from my lens, you were there for your family and yes. not only that, but you got back on track with, you, you stayed focused on the goal because you're, you're, this is one person in your family and you have a family that you're supporting, but, but your vision for success feeds your future family too. Yeah. So there were some things that you did right during this period. And I think that um, we can pull those out for somebody that may be going through a difficult time with their family. So I don't know. I don't know that I did it right in the sense that you're thinking. Um, I definitely went straight back into it. But for me, it was a, I didn't want to sit and wallow and have to think about things and have to, like, what good would it have done me to not go back to the course? Yeah. Like, what, 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 would, what, what would it have changed? But by going back to the course, I was able to keep my mind engaged. I continued pursuing my goals and it gave me less time to be sad. So, I, I mean, I think that's a great focus because um, an idle mind is a devil's playground. And I think it is important that we all cope and we all, you know, get through our, our traumas and stuff that happen. Um, but there's, there's a certain uh, magic that comes with staying a little bit productive, right? Like having, getting, getting yourself in motion so that the momentum doesn't build in a negative direction. And I think that's probably the key thing. If somebody's going through a hard time, get some momentum going in your life. Uh, and it can really help propel you out of that, out of that situation. Yeah. It's that and really understanding that the person, I mean, if it's something as uh, detrimental as a passing away or whatever it may be, whoever it is that you're mourning over, wouldn't want you to give up your life. Mm. Like, so just keep going and yeah. keep your mind busy for me personally. Moving forward. So what happened? Let's just talk a couple other milestones and then we'll, we'll wrap this up for a landing. I want to, I want to just share the rest of your military journey and leading to where you're at now. Okay. So I obviously recycled, went back, um, finished the course, the, the captain's career course. Here's another quick no, but yes, I can is at the end of my captain's career course, because I was so focused now on just moving forward. I didn't want to sit and have an idle mind. I wanted to keep going, go back, you know, get back into the course. Um, there's a lot of breaks in between courses. Like you have to wait for it. With a course as big as the civil affairs qualification scores or really any of them, you, you do different class, like a 12 week class, one month break. 10 week class, one month break, and it kind of all combines to make the entire course. So the intro course for the for my civil affairs qualification course overlapped. That first week of that course overlapped with the last week of my triple C. And I was not, had no mindset to want to wait two months for the next intro course to start. It just it sounded horrible to me. So I talked to the instructors in the triple or in my captain's career course also talked to the instructors of the intro course and basically figured out what they would, um, what would they give leeway on? So, hey, I really want to move. 
I understand it overlaps. What can I miss? Yeah. So instructors of triple C said, Hey, you, you know, I need you for turning in your equipment and I need you to do the end of course evaluation in your final test. And that was like, you know, 10 hours of the five days that were scheduled. Intro course said, Hey, you don't even have to be here the first day. You just need to do X, Y, and Z. Worked it out. Um, basically worked it out so I can get started. And I pulled anyone along with me who also didn't want to wait. You know, some people just didn't want to sit around for two months. Other people wanted wanted to. So a couple of people jumped on my uh, boat, came over with me, and we started intro. What's your lesson from that segment, from, from recycling to moving yourself forward? Um, I guess it's a continued of, you know, figure out the why and figure if I want something. It doesn't hurt to ask. Right. It could have been like no, and then I would have been a recycle, but... I figured out what each, what the priority was of each instructor and I was able to overlap it and get what I wanted out of it. I'm trying, I want to pull that back just a little bit further. So describe a little bit how, like what should have happened in that situation for you? So what should have happened is I should have finished the last week of captain's career course. And, you know, that's a very light course anyway, a light week. So I would have been in and out of the classroom probably for half the week, just doing random out-processing stuff because it's an out-processing yeah. week, Yeah. right? And then I would have in-processed, got moved over to my new unit, which was the qualification course. And then we would have sat in a cafeteria-like room, like an extra spare break room for the next two and a half months waiting for the next intro course to start because at that point I would have missed the first week and they weren't going to just let me miss a whole week without talking to them. And I would have been slated to start the next course in a couple months. Yeah. That's, and then no, I that's that. So waited. basically we chopped a bunch of time off and we did that yeah. by always being curious, always asking why. Well, so, Hey, I'm going to be, in, and this is important too, because people, I think a lot of people are victims to their life. They're they're They just react to it. Right. They just react to their life. They react to their military career instead of being proactive and figuring out what they can do to get to what they want. That's a common theme with you. Um, Especially if okay. it's what's supposed to happen, right? It's not It's not uncommon for people to end a course, wait a couple months, start the next course. Yeah, yeah it seems like socially normal. Right, right. it's the but, norm. You, the course overlaps, you have to wait, but why? So. All right, so we go to the, we go to the next section. We go to, career, we go to the Q course now, right? Yes. Um, and so now I started that? intro. I worked like? my way in, started intro, jumped in. It was great. I did great. Um, this is, guys, this is the qualification course for- um, civil for civil affairs. So this is what we're doing right now. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, I jump in and process, integrate myself into the class. A lot of them have known each other for a while because they've all been sitting in that cafeteria waiting to start. So they've all gotten their, um, they all know each other. I don't really know a lot of them, but I jump in, we start, I don't even remember how many weeks the course is. I want to see it's like three months. Yeah. Um, PT in the morning, class in the daytime, different schedule. It was great. I did great. I was near the top of the class. I probably would have made commandant's list if at the commandant's list is when you're at the top 10, I believe. Because obviously academically I grind and I do really well. Um, but then we get to the physical part at the very end in order to pass the, the qualification course, you have to pass a 12 mile ruck march, 35 pounds in three hours. And I didn't. Mm. And our ruck, normally they put it more towards the front so you, that you don't do the entire Q course and then fail the ruck 
and it's like you wasted all your time. They normally put it in the front, but because of weather and lightning storms and too much heat, it kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. So at this point, I've completed the entire Q course. Well, not the entire, the entire part of that course, the 12 weeks. Yep. Made it to the very end, right before our culminating exercise, and I failed the ruck. So once I failed the ruck, I was recycled. There's nothing about it. Like it's a it's a hard gate. You either yeah, pass you go back to the beginning. Recycle is going back to the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I am now removed from the relationships, the class, everything that I've learned and done for the last 12 weeks. And I'm put back into that cafeteria room I was telling you about to wait for the next course. Yeah, that's that's a whole horrible experience to go through. Like you're just sitting there feeling helpless and just waiting and just letting the clock tick and just waiting for your next shot to go. Oh, it was awful. Um, they did have resources for me to like learn some more mental fortitude and to, you know, work better physically that I could focus on, but it just, it sucks. You work your ass, excuse me, you work super oh, hard. You can curse, it's good. You can curse here, yeah. Um, but anyways, you work your ass off. You know, you try to be the best, you work well with everyone, you build that rapport, you build that, you know, confidence in other people that you are a competent person because it's a big thing, right? You have like, at first you're just some random person, no one knows, and then you're female in a, you know, male dominated industry, which some people say doesn't matter, but it does a little bit. Absolutely does. And you have to really, really build the confidence of the people you're working with. And then they just move on without me and I have to do it all over again. And I have like the super not best mindset because I'm just like irritated. I have to do the course again. Yep. Um, but here I am even though I finished the entire 12 weeks and I can be wrong on this whole 12 week thing. I'm just going with it. But even though I finished the whole 12 weeks, um, they required me to do the entire course again, all the stuff I've already passed and did fine with. So I wait like a month or so and get put back into the next course. What was the dream you were chasing? Can you summarize it? What was the dream? What did you want? what did you want during this period? Which period? The the first part or after I've recycled? After you recycled. I mean, what were you thinking about? Oh my God, brucking yeah. all the time. Yeah. I hate it. I'm not good at it. And I just had to keep doing it. Was quitting an option for you in your head? No, it hurt, but I was never going to quit. I, I would never quit. Um, so I just trained, woke up early, threw on the ruck, ran around forests with weight on my back. What do you think inspired you? What do you think fueled you during that period to go back through the Q course after all this <sighs> adversity, family issues and, 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 and trauma there. And then just this, this continuous ups and downs, what do you think it fueled you to succeed in this, this, this time where you, you recycled the Q course, the alternative, right? I came into the Q course and selection because I didn't want to be an S1 anymore. And I still didn't want to go back. Like, that was my alternative. My alternative was going back and being an S1 for the rest of my military career, but I wasn't happy with it, which is why I went to selection in the first place. Yeah. Not going back. And that's such a good story. Cause I have so many young guys that are following me on like Instagram, going through the Ranger assessment program pipe, like the pipeline. Um, they're going to be an infantryman then then Ranger and, and then in there, and it's just like any spot special operations pipeline. It looks great on paper, but sometimes it takes a long motherfucking time <laughs> to get to what, to your dream, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, during that period, you, you have to remember where you came from and, and that it's, that there is no going back. Like, we're not going to go back. We're, there's only one way to go and that's uphill this whole time. So.
I was not, I was not happy. I love the, I love the army. I just wasn't happy doing my other job. And that was, that was my alternative. Well, you outgrew but, it. You outgrew it. Right. So yeah. that's what we we're talking about here. Okay. So, um, site set on finishing the Q course and you just, you start working your ass off for the, the ruck, the 12 mile ruck March, go ahead and pick it up from there. All right. So I'm working a lot, integrating back into intro, the intro that I should have done and waited for integrating right back in with these people. I know none of them now. Um, and now I have even less like the, I have even less confidence in the people or the people around me have less confidence in me. Cause now I'm not just some girl in their class. I'm some girl in their class who just failed. Yeah. So like, don't talk to me. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. Yep. Doesn't matter that I was top academically in the class and that I did very well on everything besides the ruck. I'm a recycle. So I'm now like, yeah, whatever. I, what, we're not listening to you. Well, yeah, you um, get looked at differently. Mm -hmm. You get looked at differently in that situation where you look almost like you're automatically outcasted until you prove yourself. Yeah, and it takes even more to prove yourself because we, a lot of things are team events. So we do our team events. We do our team planning. I um, have my input, but nobody cares what I have to say because obviously I'm a recycle, so I don't know what I'm talking about. So it's very hard because you have to learn how to like reintegrate yourself, when to sit back and watch and you know not get offended and not overstep and just make your way back through the course again. I'll talk, this is a great chance for a leadership lesson because what you did successfully is you integrated with a new team several times. Yeah. And I think that you've done it, you did it well, you did it at your, at your unit, you did it at uh, selection, you did it at the Q course multiple times. So when somebody wants to, maybe they see themselves as not fitting in, Okay. Cause that's really what we're talking about. I don't really mm -hmm. know if I fit in and I'm kind of creating this perception around myself yeah. and they want to be integrated with the team. What's your approach to get integrated with them? So you do the basics well, right? So for us morning formation, every morning, do it well, don't be late, be on time. Don't have people looking for you. You start establishing some sort of respect when you start doing the basics well. Mm. Um, credibility. Build your credibility because if you can't even do the basics right, like, what are you doing here? Um, so wake up on time, wake up early, be there early, be someone that people can rely on that they're not looking for and that they're not having to answer for. Yeah. And then you, for me, I really, so knowing that I had the answers, I really had to find the fine line between when to share, when to speak up and when to let other people do it because, you know, they're coming through the course the first time, just because I have the answers doesn't mean I need to be a know-it-all. And it doesn't mean I need to force myself um, and my information on anyone. I just need to really manage when and where my information is necessary and my input is useful to the team versus being overly, um, I don't know the word, but. Yeah, no, overly like overly helpful. Cause there's a point where, you know, when you want people to grow and you want people to succeed, if you help them all the time, then it actually hurts them. And not only that, but it's a great way to come off as somebody that likes recognition for their ego. Right. Right. It's, and you don't want to come off as a, like they call it a spotlight ranger, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a spotlight ranger. I just, I want to be a person that is here to help out others succeed. So it takes a, a very high level of awareness to realize when you should insert yourself and when you shouldn't and let everybody else kind of go. Yeah, it's, it's awareness, it's a control of ego, and it's really being able to read the room. You have to be able to sit back, read the room, understand different personality types, and when you are being useful, when you're not. Um, 
So it's a, it's a very learned skill. I moved around a lot when I was younger. I don't think I mentioned that, but I went to like five elementary schools or six elementary schools in five years, something crazy. So I learned at a young age how to integrate myself into new settings. And it really starts with setting back and understanding everyone around you before you start throwing yourself in and trying to do too much. Yeah. You said, read the room. What, is, what does that mean to you exactly? That means sitting back and, you know, understanding personalities, understanding how people, what makes people tick, what makes people like what they're good at, what they're bad at, where you can be helpful and how they receive information. You have to really pay attention to everything that's going on around you before you just bulldoze through and try to do things your way. So if I'm, if I'm trying to become better at reading a room, which I think this is an awesome skill that everybody needs to learn how to do. You walk into a new environment to team. There's a team in there, a small group of people, mm-hmm. and you're trying to, you're trying to get a sense of the room itself, right? Not mo- a lot of people can't read a room. They go into a room and they have, all they can think about is themselves. And they're just kind of like, they just want to go and hide out. So um, what do you, when you walk into a room and maybe you can use an example of the Q course or whatever, whatever comes to mind for you. And you're trying to get an idea of what, that environment is like, what are the things that you're looking for? Um, and yeah, what are you, what are you looking for exactly? I'm looking for, okay, so who's the natural leader? If I'm coming into a group that's already established, right? Who's already the natural leader in the group? Who's the one that everyone kind of turns to for mm. information and that they're most, they have the most respect in the room? Mm. Who is like the most? Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is, a, you're doing this subconsciously, okay? Yeah. Mo- people don't know how to, people don't know how to do this. Okay. Okay. So I, I want to make sure this is important. You said something very, very important in any team. There's always, I call it the rock star. Mm-hmm. There's always the rock star. You walk in and it's the, you're, you you find that person. What do you look for in the leader of the, the pack? How do you identify that person? It's the one everyone's kind of looking towards. It's the one who, when they speak up, people are listening, but they're not looking like, stop talking. They're it, looking so, like, Hey, but, I want to hear what you have to say. So it's not the loud, verbose person that's very chatty and like the social butterfly guy. It's Mm -hmm. not that one. It's the person that maybe are they more reserved or, but you're, you're, what you're really saying is that when they speak up, if there's instant, like people are listening to this person. Yeah. Cause they can be, they can be a social butterfly. They can be more reserved, whoever they are though. They're the ones that command the respect of the room when they speak. Okay. So you want to find the leader of the pack and Mm -hmm. you're going to do that by observing See mm-hmm. who everybody's going to respect, and then what's your next your next approach to get a read on the room and get integrated with that team? So then I'm also identifying other personalities. There's there's different types, like you said. There's the social butterfly of the room, and then you know there's a social butterfly that people like, and there's that obnoxiously know-it-all person that nobody likes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you just and then there's you know the people who are just then you're also identifying like who's super chill and who's you know willing to just talk to anyone and the less judgy people. And then you have the more judgy people who are egotistic. People still respect them because they're smart. And when they talk, they're not wrong. But, you know, that might be the person in my case who's like, don't look at me. Not don't look at me, but like, I don't care what you have to say. Like, I'm smarter than you. Yeah. So you have to identify who all those people are because you're going to interact with each person and their personality type and how they fit in a group differently. Mm. Okay. So once I have an idea of some of those key players in the team and, um, you're getting a read for the room. The whole objective is to get a, re- a read on the room so that you can get one integrated and then two, probably, pr- probably influence. And then mm-hmm. also get, get your, get your uh, position in the room too. get, get integrated so that 
where, where you have credibility and respect inside of the team. Right. So right. what I'm hearing is when you, when you pick out these people, you're understanding them and then you're going to meet them where they're at. Like you're going to go talk and interact with them according to how they are. Do you, do you find your way to the leader of the pack? And if you yeah. do, what do you, what do you do with them when you, when you find them? Yeah, absolutely. That's probably one of the first people that I start trying to build that relationship with and start integrating with because Okay, so going back to my specific case with that leader in the room, wherever it was, you know, I'm going to talk to them, let them know my story, what happened, where I'm coming from, the information that I do have. And like, hey, if you need anything, let me know. I've been through this. I've done X, Y, and Z. This is how I can help the group. Mm. So now the person who's more or less calling the shots in the group knows what I can provide. That's so, so good. Like if there's, if there's, a segment of this podcast to re rewind and listen to over and over and over again. It's this segment right here. And the reason why this is so important for people to understand is it's going to help out with anybody that's going through a military school and selection tremendously. But on top of that, this is the same way that getting integrated with people in um, that are more successful than you and getting integrated in them and their team is exactly how it works. So if you come into that room and this person you know, that's, that's very, very successful. You want to, you want to work your way to them and build a relationship with them because you want to be integrated in their team. Well, if, if I find them and identify them, I go to them and then I exchange value. I lead with value. I meet them and I give them some value. I say, Hey, here's what, here's my background. Here's what I'm capable of doing. I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. And now all of a sudden you have an instant connection with that key leader and they're going to start respecting you, which is going to carry over to the rest of the team. And now you're integrated. That's what I'm hearing. Exactly. They're going to start respecting you, like you said. And then when they start, that leader is going to use whatever they have at their disposal to be successful. So now that they know what the new me, what I bring into the group, I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to, you know, participate because I'm not going to act like I'm too good to be in the class. So I'm going to participate when participation is necessary, but I'm going to not overly push myself on the group. I'm going to sit back and wait till he asks for my help then I'll be able to display my competency and what it is that I bring to the group. And by bringing that competency to the group, now the group starts to respect me because I'm helping and I'm bringing things that they need. Yeah. And what this amounts to, what this, this equates to is peer leadership. Guys, mm -hmm. I get a lot of questions about how to lead your friends, how to lead your peers. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a great way to do it. Find the key leader that's already in there, get integrated, develop respect, and then just, just re-listen to this exact part that we're talking about here over and over again to get the strategies on how to create influence around the peers to your left and right. Well said, Yasmin. That was like a masterclass on getting integrated with the team. It really was. Done it a couple times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> through necessity. But hey, this is this is why you succeeded. So we get integrated with the team and we, we go on. What, what happens after that? We get integrated with the team. We pass the ruck march at two hours, 59 minutes and like 48 seconds. Yeah um hell yeah <laughs> continue on through that doesn't matter it passed you know it was yep. less than three hours yep um we make it finish the course and a building report with the team um from what i remember got along with basically everyone on the team make it to our culminating exercise um which is operations less tiller and that's just where they test everything in a live scenario what we've done we like jump in to our training scenario and we run through a Big village and do we do C8 civil affairs things, right? Um, so in our final assessment, one of the big things for civil affairs is engagements and engagements being just talking to civilians or talking to other people. They judge yeah. you on how you can talk to people. 
Yeah, guys, these are like interactions on the battlefield is what's there you happening go. Here. Interactions on the battlefield, right? And we, for our, the job of civil affairs, you have to be really good at it with all different types of people, military, civilian, leaders, villagers, doesn't matter who, that's what they train us on. Yeah, you, we probably should have started with a little bit of this, but just like in maybe a couple of sentences, what's the role of civil affairs overseas? Oh, uh, so many different answers to that. Um, civil affairs, we are... <laughs> we deploy employment teams to various countries, not necessarily ones in war. So like places, sure, Iraq, Afghanistan, the places you know, but we also, you know, have people in South America, Asia, Europe, we're kind of everywhere. And we build the military relationship with the civilian populations. That's, that's, a, that's a beautiful way of putting it. You're the connective tissue mm -hmm. between the civilian populace and the military. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're there to accomplish a joint mission between Correct. the two of them in a civil environment. Yep. There yeah, you go. That's beautiful. I think that's the best way I've ever said it. Um, so <laughs> the pressure's on you perform. Okay. Keep yeah. going. So in order to be trusted as four people going to various country representing the United States army and, um, interacting with, you know, the civilian population being the representative representatives you have to be good at talking to people. So that's a big part of our test. Um, so I go through, I get put in some really rough engagements and I fail again. <laughs> so at this point, I am like devastated. I passed the stupid ruck. I did, did, they, tell the you why, did they tell you why you failed? Did they tell you where your shortcomings were? <sighs> if you, or if you had to guess, what would you say the reason? It was confidence. Okay. It was confidence. Um, I got put into some very dicey scenarios because they do, they put you in easy ones. Like you might just meet good old boy on the street who wants to give you and talk to you, be your best friend. And you might meet. And you're, you're essentially negotiating a, a situation, right? They're going to create a scenario and you're going to mm -hmm. negotiate and you want to create a win-win for both sides in some, in this scenario. And some of them are going to be really hostile. And some of them are going to be um, very easy to negotiate through, right? That's what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. And I, um, it is very, how do I say this? So wait, I'm, I'm, I'm a woman, right? So in other cultures, sometimes people just don't respect women. That's just how their culture is. Like they won't even talk to you because you're a woman. Like they don't care that you're a military officer or a leader from the United States. Like right. you're a woman, don't talk to me. Um, right. So knowing this about other cultures not all but some of the ones we interact with they make it sometimes a little bit harder in my opinion I don't know I don't run the course but I felt like they put me in the dicier of situations to make sure that I could handle it yeah more confrontational because more hostile more confrontational scenarios. more you're a woman why are you talking to me yeah. and I just got put in my place I I wasn't confident enough I was a little like I was so concerned about passing the evaluation mm. and like this guy was just very confrontational and I wasn't as strong of a leader as I should have been in that scenario I think so you learned you learned the so they ended up they said hey this is we're not a, we're not a fit right now we need to work on your confidence is the way you interpreted it and we say you need to be better in these 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 type of engagements these key leader engagements so um we went back through it is that what happened yeah so we recycled again um got taken out Bye bye to all my new friends again. And I basically was told I was going back to be an S1 because as a officer, you can't recycle more than once. 
based on that timeline thing I was talking about earlier, if you stay in a qualification course like this for too long without getting an evaluation and an actual job, it hurts your chances of promotion. And if you don't promote, you get um, attritioned out of the military. So in order to protect an officer's career, they're only allowed to go through with one recycle. And then after that, like you didn't cut it, you have to go. Right. But you know, we know me and I was like, but wait, um, <laughs> why, <laughs> why, how, but okay. So I understood the why it was to protect. I, it was to protect me. So they say, um, it was protect me so that if I failed a third time, I would have enough evaluations to be considered for promotion to major. Yep. So as an S1, I had some background on how promotions work um, and how evaluations work. And I knew that if you are a first lieutenant promotable, this is really technical, but basically if I was promotable as a lieutenant working in a captain's job, then that means that that evaluation counted towards that time that they were talking about. It counted towards my promotion to major. And I had that. And I knew I had that. You you found a loophole. I found a loophole. Okay. So you found a loophole and you negotiated your way back through <laughs> <laughs> when, when they were, when you were supposed to go ahead and just go back to the regular conventional. Manner. Yeah. I negotiated my way, leveraged some um, rapport building relationships. Some of the instructors, you know, I wasn't a, the first time I recycled, I could have gone through and been just like a little shithead that no one wanted to deal with because I was so disgruntled at the whole organization for letting me go through the course and failing the ruck. And I hate you all, but it was my fault. I failed the ruck. I had a great attitude. I got along with the instructors very well. A lot of them were very surprised that I failed the engagements. They were like, I don't even understand how you failed. Um, you know, at that time I was like, yeah, me neither. This is dumb. <laughs> but I had a couple of them stick up for me. I brought proof that it wasn't going to affect my timeline and I got them to sign an exception and let me go through a third time. Man. What's the, what was the lesson for getting them to sign an exception? Again, I maybe it's some stuff that we've already said before, but again, for somebody that is feeling rejected, discouraged, there's no way in hell. If you had to dig deep to help them, point them in the right direction, what do you tell them? You really have to look at all the loopholes. In my case, if I didn't have, if I didn't have that timeline thing going in my favor, I think my fourth loophole would have been going to the reserves and going civil affairs there. Cause Look you're allowed this. to do that. So but. every route, every route that you're wargaming in your head takes you to success. It's never a, yeah. when you guys hear that like social media meme, that's like quitting's not an option. Failing's not an option. This is what, this is what it, the intent of that meme. This is what I'm talking about. You know, you can lose, you can fail, you can quit. You can, all those things are true, but if you just stay focused on what you actually want, what ends up happening is your brain starts moving you you know, in alignment with that desire over and over and over. It starts revealing solutions and loopholes to you. So this is, this is Yasmin's specialty here. It's, it's sole focus on the ideal outcome. Yeah. I'm a logical thinker. So I just run through different scenarios. Well, can I do this? Can I do that? And so something's like, yeah, let me try it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all the reasons you can, none of the reasons you can't. Exactly. Um, when do, when do we arrive at the dream? When does that happen here? So what was that, Third time. What was that like? Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Um, so there was a lot of people who actually failed the same course I did. It, it was unofficially determined. It was just a lot more difficult than the normal ones for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so there was probably 12 or 13 of us who failed. And we were given the opportunity instead of going through the course and doing everything that we already did, like I had to do the first time, we were given the opportunity to work together and with um, the resources that 
special operations provides to really focus in and hone in on our engagement skills, mm. how to talk to people, conflict management, um, negotiation management. We, we spent the next three months working with each other to be the best that we could be at everything that has to do with engagements. When was your oh shit moment? I made it. I went back in to the culminating exercise after that and passed. And then, I mean, oh yeah, shit, I made it. Then I graduated and it was great. Yeah. So it was, it was it the was, day that I got my go on my evaluation in the okay. field. And what did that feel like? Oh, it felt so good. I didn't have to go be an S1. Uh, that had had to be feel amazing and the odds um getting there were just you know the adversity was incredible so so we we end up graduating um they give so you end up getting a a, a different what color is the bray it's maroon is it maroon okay Mm -hmm. yeah you get maroon bray and um yeah just moving it what was like the after so after there's usually this decompression time after you get through something like that right yeah decompress and then you're kind of either in the unit or you're doing, you're doing the dream, right? Yeah. When did, when did, what was that moment for you? So that was it, right? So I decompress, I, 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 I finished. I wasn't the little shithead in the cafeteria who was waiting to try again. I was like the free bird who graduated and cool your civil affairs now and go. Um, actually directly after that course, we go into language. So <clears throat> I'm pretty sure we did language after that. Yeah, we did language after that because they don't want to waste teaching language to people who can't even pass the course yeah so you know it, we I graduated and it was it was amazing you know I had friends in that class now too everyone was celebrating with me we had like our in-between time to language but that time was joyful it wasn't stress and how am I going to fix this and how am I going to be better it was a it was my decompressed moment did language that went fine um and after graduating language I feel like that was it I think it was language and then we got our a we officially got um, pinned with our new branches. Yeah. What was that? What was your experience like as a civil affairs officer? Oh, it was great. Um, I went into my unit. Nobody knew, cared that I failed a couple of times. I was just their new team leader. I did great. Top of my company. I was given the most tactical mission set that we have. Um, I had a great team. You know, my team sergeants were always great, but <clears throat> I learned very early on from all of the difficult situations I was put in on how to be a good leader, how to, you know, work with other people. I don't come in smashing doors and saying I'm in charge and I'm going to do everything my way. I work with everyone that's on my team and yeah, it went great. What a, what a tremendous um, story. I mean, just an incredible story. And, uh, you know, I know there's, there's even more to your story. You'll probably keep going for hours and hours and hours. To yeah, I know we're like way over time, but yeah, no, but this is, it's just so good. And, um, I guess looking back on that achievement, um, was it worth it for you going through all, going through everything? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It would have never changed it. Um, well, I would have not failed probably the second sure. or third time, but yeah. I, I met great people. Like I loved being in civil affairs. What'd you learn about yourself going through all that adversity? At the time, not much, right? After talking to you before this, I went back and I looked at myself a little bit and I just, I like to ask why. <laughs> <laughs> I like to ask why. And I just, I, I like to challenge myself. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not growing, you're dying. Right. And mm. um, I think that's, 
you, you, and you know, from the outside looking in, you're able to just set your sights on what you want. And, um, as long as you, as long as you have that vision, you're going to ask, how do I get there? And you're going to challenge the why to do it over and over and over again. I get, Um, I get called stubborn very often and I am, but yeah, it works in my favor for somebody that, um, uh, just some, I want to talk to you about some other things here as we close up, but for somebody that is going through their journey, it could be a career, it could be their business, their building, it could be um, their military path. And they're in the middle of all that journey, maybe feeling a little bit discouraged. What advice do you have to them for that, for that cycle that they're in? You know, it, if you're feeling discouraged, it's understandable. I cried a lot. I was sad a lot, you know, but then you wake up the next day and you just work towards your, how, how are you going to change the situation that you're in Mm -hmm. now? So it's, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be disappointed, but the next step is to step out of that, be in it for that moment, step out of it, then just start charging towards how you're going to fix it, change it, or do what it is, get to the place that you want to be. Yeah. It's focusing on the day and being successful in the day. Mm-hmm. Do you have, do you have a process for being successful in the day? Like give a, a, anything that you, you focus on to make the most out of the day that you're in? I, so one of the things I used to do, I haven't done it as much lately, but I would make a list the night before of the things I needed to do the next day. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, I'm going to try to do these things. It was like, Hey, tomorrow I have to wake up and go on a ruck because I have a ruck in four months, but I have to get up and do it. So it was on my list and I would just get up and make sure that I was attacking what it is that I needed to do to work towards my next goal. And what you told me once um, about your three C's competence, Yeah. So that's how I fit in, right? That's a part of my like leadership and how to get along with everyone working in a male environment. What is that exactly? Can you explain that? Yeah. So it's competence, confidence, and consideration, right? So you have, I've I've said it competence a couple of times, right? You prove yourself. You don't have to go in and try to prove yourself. As long as you're a competent person Mm -hmm. and you can be trusted and you get done what you need to get done the correct way and well, your competence shows through and people start trusting you. And when they trust you, they're going to be there for you. They know that you're going to be there for them. And they don't feel like they have to double check your work or what you're doing. It's like, Yaz has got that. Don't worry. I gave it to Yaz. It'll get done. Right. Like yeah. that's how, that's the status I like to be in with people. The next one is confidence. You have to believe in yourself. I don't, for me, I, le- I actually learned this with you in um, ROTC and our instructor is, you know, you have to be confident. So if you're not confident in yourself, no one else, it doesn't matter how confident you are. If you don't think you can do it, why would anyone else think you can do it? Mm. Nobody's going to. And then the last one is consideration. Like, don't be a jerk. Nobody Mm. needs you to prove yourself. No one needs you to be an ass, just humanize people. Even if they're being rude to you, like maybe they're coming from a different spot. I always try to humanize people and think about where they're coming from when they do things. If I'm offended, if I don't like it, I'm like, well, okay, well, he's probably doing it because of this, this, and this. Like, it's not okay, but now I know how to work with it. That's really good. Three C's, guys. It's for being success in in your life and in your day, even at the micro level, competence, Mm -hmm. confidence, and consideration. That's worth listening to over and over again. Um, As we go, as we, you know, we take this to a landing now, um, I know you're excited. You got some future projects that you're working on. You're potentially building some things. Mm-hmm. Um, what, so what's, what's ahead for you? What's next for you? 
Um, next for me is trying to get a new job at my company that I'm currently with. I did. Sorry, my fault. I did kind of like gloss over your whole, Hey, I decided to get out of the military. Um, oh, I, I don't want to go into detail about it, but I think that you had a successful career, right? Mm -hmm. And then you decided at some point to go ahead and separate from the military. You've become a mom. You have a stable career. Now you're applying all the, the skills that the military uh, taught you. You're, you're into some real estate now. Uh, you're also getting into entrepreneurship. You want to just kind of talk just briefly about the current projects that you're working on and what's ahead for it for you as me. Yeah. So I, um, my current house is my current real estate project. I'm definitely looking at starting some Airbnbs up. I am looking at starting a survival school here in Georgia to focus on family survival. It's like camping with an emphasis on survival. So it's camping with an itinerary to get people who are not used to who aren't your typical survival school person yeah. to come through and really start learning those skills and getting reconnected with nature. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also looking at getting into more speaking. Where can people find you and connect with you? What would be a great place for them to go? Uh, are you on Instagram? What's the best way for them to reach out to you if they want to connect? Yeah. So they can either reach me on my Instagram handle is my first and last name, Yasmin Buenaceta. And that is Y A S. M is in Mike, I, N is in November, E, B is in Bravo, U, E, N is in November, A, S, E, D is in Dad, A. Or they can email me at info at yasmeenbuenaceta.com. Cool. Same spelling as before. Yeah, you guys will put it in the show notes. You'll have it and um, you know where to find her. Two final questions and then, we're, and then we'll close it up is what was, what was the reason you decided to separate from the military? My daughter. Um, I am very family oriented. I've always wanted kids. I joined civil affairs because I was single and I wanted to deploy and do all the great things. I had her. I respect everyone who stays in the military with kids, but I couldn't do it. I wanted to be present for everything. Yeah. I think that's uh, it's a choice you made. You know what you wanted once again, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had no idea where I was going to work, what I was going to do, uh, but I put in my packet and I went from there. Yeah. Are you, what are you excited about for the future? Uh, I'm excited about building out my business um, and just building my empire. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to do well. Um, any, any final comments to the listeners, just to somebody that, you know, is looking for some inspiration or uh, maybe they're in any leg of your journey, any, any final comments to, to the listener right now? Just, you know, wherever you are on your journey, don't be scared. Don't be scared of what could happen. Don't be scared of how am I going to support myself? How am I going to support my family? As long as you know that you're willing to put in the work, you're going to find a way to do it. Mm, well I got said. my job offer when I got out literally the day after my final day in the army. But I didn't know that. But you know what? I was going to figure it out. If I had to work at Home Depot, McDonald's, whatever, while I started building out the rest of my empire, I was going to do it. But I wasn't going to let the fear of not knowing what was going to happen, stop me from achieving my goals. Well said, man. Awesome. Awesome episode today, guys, gals, ladies, gentlemen. Um, you know, this is one you can come back to over and over again, but I learned a ton, learned everything, got to add to my arsenal of leadership, um, my, you know, tools for success. And, uh, we learned a ton. I think there were some great takeaways when it comes to leading a team, getting integrated with a team, being confident in yourself and just, just stay in mission focused until you get the job done and, and realize that there is going to be adversity ahead. It, it could take you, your goal could take 
the exact amount of time that you think it could take several years and your path could be a long one going in and out and weaving and stuff. But if you stay the course, you're going to get there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you said an, ex an excellent example for your friends and family, and you're, you're going to change a lot of lives by taking the time out and do this podcast. And thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what to do. If you found value in today's episode, if you laughed, if you learned, if you, if you were inspired, just make sure to share it with a friend. That's how we grow the podcast. And until next time, be the leader. I need some motivation. motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Trying myself and I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. I am a queen. I am more than the people can see. I am strong when I'm needing to be. Vulnerability's nothing to me. You can try, but I'm unshakable. My successes is never debatable. I'm coming and I'm so interchangeable. Here's to you and all that you are capable. You gotta go hard, better get it.